0: Welcome to the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best doubles strategies to improve your game and win more matches. I'm your host, Will Bocek. This podcast, my website, and my weekly newsletter all focus on the goal of better understanding the sport of doubles and helping players like you improve faster through actionable advice that you can use in your very next match. My goal is to provide the best doubles strategy resources in the world. And to do that, I study, analyze, and work with players at every level of the game, all the way up to the ATP and WTA tours. If you enjoy this podcast, I've created double strategy products that go even deeper if you want to take your doubles knowledge to the next level. At the end of this episode, I'll explain more about them, or if you want to learn more now, go to thetennistribe.com products. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode on how to use movement to win in doubles. This is part two of our eight-part series on double strategy, where we're covering um, kind of a different way to, to think about doubles, and uh, it should help you better game plan, better create and adjust your your strategy uh, during matches. Uh, If you missed episode one, it was on how to use time to win in doubles, so um, we talked about how to take time away from your opponent, how to buy time for yourself when you need to, uh, different things like that. Um, Today, we're talking about movement. Uh, In the next episode, we'll talk about position, and then pace, spin, height, depth, and direction will be part eight. Um, so, a couple of quick announcements before we get into uh, this episode. Um, one, uh, I am over the next couple of months going to be traveling a little bit less, so I'm going to have time to um, do a few more of these. Uh, going to be creating some more video content, and then um, coming very soon in the next probably week or two will be uh, my fourth ebook. So it's going to be on net play strategy. Um, It's essentially done. I just have to kind of do some final edits, add a few images um, and links to other resources, and then that should be live in the next week or two. So look for that in your email inbox. Um, And then one other thing, uh, I recently presented on the Tennis Summit, which is uh, an online event that's held every year. um, And uh, Mariban Iranshad, who runs Tennis Files, um, I was on his podcast last year, uh, invited me to do this. And he he runs this every year and gets um, dozens of world-class coaches to just talk about tennis strategy and and technique and tactics and the mental side and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, if you're listening to this on the 26th, um, which is the day this episode is going to be released, uh, then you can, before I think midnight Pacific time, um, get access to all 40 presentations at half off, which is I think $97. Um, tomorrow the price goes up to, uh, I think 197 or or something like that. Um, but I'm going to send out an email, um, after I finish recording, which is, um, on the 25th. So if you're listening to this on the 26th, check your inbox yet from yesterday, or, um, I'll link to it in the show notes as well. Um, so that you can get access to my presentation and then, um, the other doubles presentations as well. Um, uh, Ian Westerman presented, Jorge Capistani, um, Will Hamilton, who I've, I've had all of them on the podcast, Edgar Giffenig, who I, I've known for several years. He's a great coach um, as well uh, up in the Northeast. Uh, and then the one I'm most excited about that I, I haven't watched yet, but I'm going to watch soon is uh, Louis Caye. He is um, probably the best doubles coach in the world right now. Um, he works with a lot of the British players, including Joe Salisbury, um, Lloyd Glasspool, uh, Neil Skopsky uh, and so on so um, anyways check that <clears throat> excuse me check that out um, if you are interested in that and uh, watching my presentation along with the others um, and I'll link to that in the show notes for you so let's dive into this episode so how do we use movement to win in doubles so I talked a little bit last time in the episode on time um, All of these are kind of overlapped, right? If I'm moving forward uh, into the net, then movement applies there. And I'm also taking time away from my opponent. Um, So what we're talking about with movement is um, it's not position. So we're not talking about like high formation versus regular formation. We're talking about what you do after the serve is hit or after the return is hit, um, how are you actually moving around the court? So we're going to be talking about poaching, faking, um, pinching, uh, moving forward, moving back, things like that. So um, that's the big difference I want you to think about between position and movement. But um, there's essentially two ways we can move, right? We can move forward and backwards and we can move side to side. And then we can also, of course, do some combination of that. Like when you're poaching at the net, it's important to, um, obviously, you're going to be moving sideways, but you want to have a little bit of forward momentum as well um, while you're poaching. So I'm going to start with forward and backwards. Um, So moving forward, uh, obviously, is a thing that we're going to be doing on offense. So it's a great way to apply pressure um, in, you know, if you're in a bad cross court matchup, for example, if I'm um, in the deuce court and I'm rallying with somebody who's going to typically beat me, they have a better cross court forehand. Um, I might get to the net just to apply pressure and make them, um, try to hit a little bit better shot. Um, or if you're just simply better at the net, um, that's another thing for me. I I don't like to be at the baseline too much because, um, to be honest, I don't play enough tennis from the baseline to, uh, be great at it. Um, when I'm playing more singles, I, I can handle it a little bit better, but, um, Right now I'm so busy I, I don't do that a lot. So um, getting to the net is more comfortable for me. So moving forward uh, is um, is something that uh, is a, a good strategy for me. So um, it's a great way to apply pressure to the opponent. You'll see all the time at the club level, um, even if you're not comfortable at the net, but you're in a bad cross-court matchup, just simply hitting that cross-court ball um, high over the net, With good depth and coming forward, you see all the time the opponent will try to hit a little bit harder and try to go for a little bit more when they're back hitting a ground stroke against two players uh, or two opponents specifically at the net. Um, So you see that all the time, and it's a great way to force errors because most people just go for a little more. They go for the winner, they try to really dip it at your feet and keep it low and miss at the net. Um, They try to hit with extra pace and maybe miss long. Um, So moving forward is a great way to apply pressure. Um, A few other times uh, you want to think about moving forward. So um, on returns, uh, it's important. um, This is more of a technique thing, but it's important to have a little bit of forward momentum, especially if it's a second serve and it's a little bit slower serve. Um, You want to make sure you get some forward momentum on your returns Uh, as you're making contact, um, the last, uh, the last year or so I've started playing around with this, this software where I'm like studying some of the pro players in slow motion and I'm able to really slow it down kind of frame by frame and all of them, uh, especially all of the best returners really have good forward momentum, um, as they're making contact, they're kind of leaning forward, Um, the angle of their body is kind of towards the, the, um, the net, Uh, when they're making contact with that return. Um, Also, anytime you have, you know, just hit a quality ball, like if I'm in that cross court rally and I get a little bit of a short ball, maybe it's an approach shot, maybe it's not. But if I feel the ball come off my strings and I know, okay, I hit that one good, that's going to be really deep in the court somewhere around the singles line or through the middle um, to the opponent's backhand, maybe um, with good depth, I'm like, okay, they're on defense. I'm going to move forward to apply that pressure. So when you hit a quality ball, um, it could even be a quality lob. If you're from the deuce court, you lob down the line, you know that baseline player uh, doesn't have a super strong backhand, and you know the lob was good over the net player, go ahead and move forward to apply that pressure. Um, Another time to move forward is when you hit at the net player. So Um, In the example from earlier, when both opponents are at the net, let's say I'm at the baseline. If I hit a good forehand, let's say through the middle of the court or down the line at the opponent's backhand volley, because that's where I'm aiming, as soon as I know I hit a a pretty decent ball, um, I should be moving forward because most of the time those volleys are going to land short. Um, If they uh, don't miss it, they're often going to leave it short or pop it up. Um, And even if they do miss it, Uh, or do get good depth on it. If you're moving forward, you can just take that next ball out of the air, which, um, some of you may, depending on your skill level, may be able to do that. Maybe not, but, um, it's worth sacrificing that because that's going to happen a lot less often than them leaving it short. And if you do stay back, you're not going to be able to get up to that next ball. Um, and it might drop a little bit too much. Uh, and then you're lifting the ball up to two players who are at the net. Um, So that can apply when both opponents are at the net or um, if you're just going down the line at the net player. Um, Regardless, if you hit a good ball, a lot of times that next volley um, or that first volley is going to be short. So you should be moving forward after that. Uh, Another time to move forward is obviously the serve and volley um, or the return and volley. Uh, If that you determine is a good strategy, um, and I'm not going to dive too deep into Um, the best times to serve and volley or return and volley. We've got uh, a lot of content on that already, but um, obviously when you're doing that, you're serving and moving forward or returning uh, and moving forward. Um, So that's a great way to apply pressure as well. Uh, A few quick notes on moving back. So moving back is a great way to defend. Um, You want to do that. You know, this is very related to time. We talked about last time, um, shifting your position back to buy yourself time against really powerful servers. Um, it's also true against just players that hit the ball really hard. If I'm in a cross court rally and the opponent has a really big forehand and they hit with a lot of pace, it's probably a good idea for me to step back um, and give myself more time to um, to set up for that ball so that they don't rush me and so that I don't... Um, kind of have to rush my forehand and I'm more likely to miss that way. So, um, moving back is a great way to, uh, buy yourself some time against pace. Um, or if you're at the net on defense, Uh, I see this a lot with players who are at the net, um, at the club level. If you're not super comfortable with the net, you should be moving forward when you're on offense and then backwards when you're on defense to buy yourself time. Um, so when your partner is hitting from the baseline, you should be back a little bit closer to the service line, depending on the the kind of quality of the ball that the opponent hit and how much you think you're on defense. Uh, anytime they throw up a lob is a great time to start shuffling backwards. Um, if you ever watch uh, Katie McNally on the WTA tour, she's great at this. As soon as her partner is hitting from the baseline, she's shifted back. And if they throw up a lob, she's shuffling back and playing a really good defense. Um, she has some of the best defensive volleys in the game. Um, so anytime your partner throws up the lob, start to shift back. Once you see that that lob is, is past the net player and it's a good lob, then you can go ahead and move forward. But it's important to shift back to buy yourself time on defense. Um, so next... Let's talk about moving laterally, which is, I think is going to be uh, the one that most people struggle with and that I see the most kind of confusion around. So we're going to talk about that next. So a lot of people have trouble with moving laterally because they they just aren't sure when to poach or when to pinch towards the middle or fake. Um, And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, The first thing with moving laterally you know, if you're at the net, um, especially cause that's really when this applies the most, um, is you really want to be a little bit unpredictable. Um, it's really important. Uh, you don't, you don't want to create, um, like total chaos on your side of the net where your partner's kind of getting confused by your movement. Uh, but you do want to have a little bit of kind of controlled chaos, uh, from the opponent's perspective. You want them to think, constantly be thinking about, okay, I don't know if this person is going to poach because last time I had this forehand return, they didn't, but the two times before that they did. Um, So maybe I should try to go down the line or you you want to kind of be unpredictable and in their head so that they don't know what you're about to do next. Um, But there's strategic ways to do that, that I'll talk about here. So the most important time to really be moving laterally is when you're on offense and, the, the best time or the time that makes the most sense is when your partner's serving, right? So when your partner's serving, you're on offense. When you're returning, you're typically starting out the point on defense, depending on the um, how good the serve is or if it's a second serve. So when your partner's serving, um, I've talked about this a lot in the past. Uh, you've got a bunch of different options. Um, you can either, uh, you can poach, you can pinch, you can fake, you can cover the alley. Um, Covering the alley is the kind of last resort if your partner has a weak uh, first serve. Um, But uh, we're talking about movement here. So out of the regular formation, uh, faking, poaching, pinching all require some lateral movement. So you're starting in the middle of the service box and you're moving forward a little bit and then you're going to move towards the middle. Um, That's how each one of these is going to start. On the poach, you're going to move all the way across and you want to adjust your timing on this. So um, studying the returner, like we talked a little bit about last time, um, is really important so that you know, you know, do they like this ball down the line or do they like this ball cross court? Um, But adjusting the timing of your poach is really important. So as you're moving laterally, uh, if you move early, the opponent's going to see you, they might redirect and go down the line and your partner's got to be able to cover that. So Um, you have to communicate this with your partner. I'm going to poach on this, or I'm going to fake, or I'm just going to pinch, uh, towards the middle. Um, the fake is going to be where you're starting in the middle of the box. And then you're going to move, uh, this depends on kind of your agility. I like to move really early all the way across the, um, kind of center service line. Uh, but I have a pretty big wingspan. I'm able to recover towards the doubles alley pretty well, um, and I'll be more aggressive with that fake depending on the strength of the returner. And then also the strength of my partner's serve as well as the position of the returner. If they like to take the ball really early inside the baseline, I don't have as much time to get back over there, uh, to recover to the doubles alley if they do go down the line. So, um, you have to kind of take all these factors into account, but regardless, um, where you know we may call a wide serve and fake on one play um, and then do that a couple times in a row. and then all of a sudden we call a poach because they are in a rhythm hitting cross court. I've been studying the ball, I can see how high it's going over the net. I can see the pace of it, um, and I can go get it. So adjusting um, or really kind of being unpredictable with some of uh, your movement um, will help your partner hold serve so much easier. Uh, And it's okay if you get beat down the line some. Um, I can't stress that enough. Uh, So that's how the lateral movement will go out of regular formation. If you're using I or Aussie, um, it's really important to continue to use lateral movement as well. So out of the I formation, um, what I often do and what I often recommend to players is uh, have the net player go left and kind of cover Um, the middle slash left side of the court, and then um, any kind of cross-court returns, I guess. And then the server will go to the right so that they have a forehand, assuming everyone's right-handed. And then that kind of upgrades your your scenario here. So the server has a forehand, the net player has a forehand volley in the middle. Um, But the net player should be, uh, again, being a little bit unpredictable here. So one thing I like to do is I'll go left a few times, and then sometimes I'll fake. So I'll I'll pop up early. I'll shift to my right. The opponent, um, the returner is going to see me shift to my right, and they're going to go cross court, and then I'm going to go back to my left and have an easy volley. Um, I like to get far enough left so that it's a forehand volley that I can just take from very close to the net, cross court, um, and put that ball away. Uh, but regardless, using some fakes. Um, moving left and moving right uh, are all great things you can do out of the eye formation. Out of the Australian formation, you should also be calling some poaches. So um, sometimes, you know, let's say 60, 70% of the time, you just stay in the eye formation, um, or I'm sorry, the Australian formation, but maybe 20, 30% of the time, you will call a, a poach from the Aussie formation. So what that's going to look like is. Uh, you're going to serve let's say you're running it from the ad court so that the server has a forehand Uh, you serve the your partner is in the uh, ad court service box on your side of the net uh, and they're going to cross and they might have to cross pretty early depending on their their agility and their movement um, as well as the likelihood of the opponent to make a down the line return Um, but you'll just have to adjust that accordingly but regardless you should be calling some of these out of the Australian formation, you want to keep the returner guessing. Um, They can also do some fakes. So if you call a few poaches um, throughout the first several games of a set, then you can call some fakes and then it'll really get in the returner's head and throw them off. Um, This lateral movement and being slightly kind of unpredictable is going to help you and your partner hold serve so much easier. Uh, I've talked about in the past in a lot of um, mixed doubles leagues, when I used to be a 4-5 player, I would play 8-0 with a a 3-5 female partner, and her serve was obviously weaker than mine, but a lot of times we would have more trouble holding my serve because I was better at the net, and I moved so much at the net, uh, it just drove the returners crazy. So it's a really, really helpful thing to be able to... um, kind of move in a a controlled but unpredictable way uh, while you're at the net and your partner is serving. Um, The last thing I'll say on this is if the opponent has an easy short ball, um, that's the one scenario where you probably shouldn't be moving laterally a lot. Um, You should probably, again, I I talked about this um, recently in that Tennis Summit presentation, but in that scenario, you should probably actually cover the alley a little bit just to force them cross court uh, so that you can kind of stay in the point. Um, as far as lateral movement on returns or during a rally, um, it's it's very similar. You can fake, you can poach. Uh, what you'll do or when you'll do this is going to be on typically neutral or offensive balls. So... And continue the kind of unpredictability of it. So if your partner's in a cross-court rally, um, notice the the depth of the your partner's shot as well as the quality. You can actually use sound to kind of determine this a little bit. So if you hear the ball come off their strings in kind of a, a powerful kind of quality shot way, uh, then you know you're going to be able to use more lateral movement and be more aggressive in this scenario. Um, if they have a short ball, if the opponent gives them a um, a short approach shot or a short forehand and you know they like their forehand, you know, okay, green light, I'm going to be able to poach here or I'm going to be able to um, fake or use a lot of lateral movement to force an error by the opponents on this next ball. Um, so think about that uh, as your partner is in a cross court or down the line rally and just play with the timing and communicate with your partner. Tell them you know, if you notice something on a point, you can tell them, "Hey, next time you get that short forehand, try taking it uh, deep through the middle." Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and poach and just cross behind me. Or um, next time you get a second serve, let's let's just call a cross on that uh, because their second serve is kind of weak. The opponent uh, has a serve plus one that where they're on defense, um, so I think I can get a volley here. But if they do go down the line or lob it, um, just go ahead and cross and we'll be able to recover there. So you can kind of play with the lateral movement um, by communicating with your partner uh, and calling some of these poaches and crosses. And um, I did release a video recently on Instagram that I'll, I'll try to find and le- link to in the show notes where uh, the Czechs do this. Sinekova, um crosses super early so that the opponent um, has plenty of time to see her cross Um, she has time to go down the line and that's what she does. Uh, but Krejcikova knows it's coming. So she crosses as well and ends up in kind of a down the line rally. Um, and it's a great way to just show the opponent something different, uh, and kind of, even if you don't win that point, um, it's going to help you win future points, uh, by putting a little bit of doubt and uncertainty in the opponent's head, um, So hopefully that helps with movement. Uh, If you have any questions, you can always email me will at the tennistribe.com and I will answer any questions you have on using movement. Uh, If you're not sure you know how to move forward backwards or laterally um, or when to move, um, let me know. Uh, In the next episode, we're going to be talking about position, which is going to be really important. We'll talk about formations. We'll talk about um, two back versus one up, one back, I formation, Australian formation, um, all these different things. So I'm excited for the next couple of months uh, being back in town for a while and uh, being able to get a little bit more done. Um, so some really good content coming your way uh, over the next couple of months. And um, like I said, if you have any questions, reach out. So thanks everyone for listening and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Doubles Only podcast. If you're interested in diving deeper into any topics I discuss, I've created Double Strategy products that allow me to bring you more podcasts and other doubles content without relying on paid ads. I have eBooks and courses that help you make better strategic decisions during matches and become the smartest player on the court. Go to thetennistribe.com/products to learn more. You can also join my free weekly double strategy newsletter that includes video lessons and more on our homepage. If you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email me directly, will at vtennistribe.com.